your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 528 of Locked on Canadians. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it was a relatively quiet Monday for the Montreal Canadiens as they got back to practice ahead of the return to action Wednesday in Boston. And I guess... How are you doing now that you are back on this side of the globe? I am getting back into the swing of things. I'm a little bit worried about falling asleep too early this week as the games are back, but we're going to try our best. Uh, And uh, what we wanted to talk about today, we don't usually have an opportunity to just kind of decide what we're going to talk about, but we do know that the hiring of a new general manager is imminent. So Scott and I decided to have a little bit of fun with this episode before we get back into the swing of recaps and, you know, all our, our regular content. And, and with that is the Canadians are set. I believe if everything is to be believed about the end of the week, the Montreal Canadians should have their new general manager. And I guess what we want to do is the first, the three things we want to see them do when they get into this organization, what are three things that can make them have an immediate impact. And my first is get the development system right. And I know that is not an instantaneous thing, but make moves to get the development pipeline in this organization sorted in the way that it needs to be and have an established plan for what you want to do with some of these guys and don't kind of leave them hanging in limbo. Give prospects or guys on the fringe a clear pathway instead of just hope that someone gets hurt and then you get called up and prove yourself what is what do you want to see be clear and upfront with what you're looking for in in your prospects in your potential nhl call-ups i think that that is a really good and important step that they have to take and i and i would also place that in my first three but the very very first thing i would have them do and this is based on the assumption that during the interview process a vision and a direction for the team has already been agreed upon by Jeff Molson, Jeff Gordon, and whoever the new general manager is. They've decided that the Montreal Canadiens are going to be a fast team, a defensively minded team. A, they've figured it out. So they've already done that. The first step that I would take is look at who should be steering this in terms of the coaching staff and it's really really important I think for stability we know that like being a a coach in the NHL has a very short shelf life even if you are a really good one Um, you could have a long career but it could be with many different teams often you take the fall for a bad roster construction issue but in my opinion I think that if you've already decided and you've thought about all right what do we want this team to be Changing the players or developing the players will have a long term will be a long term uh, task, I think. So, you know, who, who do you decide you want to go for in free agency? Who do you want to trade for? Who are you going to develop? 
what kind of prospects are you going to pick at the next draft? All of that kind of stuff is more long-term, but you need to start building that identity early on. So I think figuring out who your coaching staff, your consultants, your, you know, your video people, all of those things, that should be one of the first things that you do. I think, you know, I think we've kind of both got a similar view on how things should go, but everything that we're talking about right now is you have already decided and established where you see the Montreal Canadiens going for the next two, five, 10 years. And with that, it, it, one of the things is Pierre Lebrun said today he doesn't see this as a full teardown rebuild for the Canadians. So I suppose the next major thing is find out who you want to build. Like you said, who you are building around. Are the coaches part of that? Are certain players part of that? Figure it out and get that set. Because once you have your core or who you want to build around, it becomes a lot easier to maintain and you know, modify the team to what you were looking for if you're Jeff Gordon, whoever the new GM is. And like you said, they want to play with speed and they want to play with pace. There are some guys, unfortunately, who do not fit that mold on this team. And if they're not going full teardown, which what I would I assume would be trading everyone, you know, the veterans and stuff, save for a few possibly, figure out what you want out of this team. You want to play fast, then you do that. You commit to it. When the new GM comes in, I don't want to see the fence straddling. I want to see a commitment to, you know, what this is. Mark Bergevin said that for a while and he never really kind of followed through on it, but I want to see a commitment to building a modern hockey team. I want to see them use analytics to figure out where their weaknesses are and what they can do to fix that. I want to see them bring in guys and take risks on that to make this team better. The new GM has a chance to complete. They're basically starting with a clean slate. This team's about as low as it can get right now without being the Coyotes, because at least we get to play in our own arena. Um, I want to see them commit to their long-term vision. Like, this is what we're doing. Okay, now go out and build around that. And my third thing is, you know, give us an answer on the coaching staff. I know they said at the end of the year, but like right now, Dominique Ducharme is doing his best with the lineup he has, but before that, it wasn't very good. I kind of want an answer on what's going on next with that, because if we're getting a new coach, just rip off that Band-Aid and get him installed now and so they can hit the ground running next year and just get through this year, learn the city, learn the team, learn the organization, and then go from there. So my two things are somewhat related. I think the other thing that I wanted to say is that it's very related to what you just said is like decide which players you want to keep. But also look at your biggest contracts right now. A lot of them have no moves. Uh, and some of them are, might be difficult to move based on their contracts. So I'm talking guys like, you know, Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher. Uh, Josh Anderson has a pretty large contract. And whether or not they fit into your vision, sometimes you have to kind of persuade them to, let's say, lift a no move clause to see what they want to do, to see if they want to stick around. So I feel like you've alluded to this in the past, but I really think that it's so important to sit down with those people, uh, have a talk, see what's what, because one of the biggest tools in this new general manager's arsenal is going to be cap space, which is something that is a luxury, which is something that right now with all the players that are injured, they have quite a bit of. Uh, but it, it's it's going to be really important if, especially if LeBron is right and it's not a full teardown kind of rebuild, you do need that flexibility that cap space does bring you. So you have to look at moving money out 
And so when you've decided which players you're going to build your future around, you have to take the older players and see who still fits in that vision. And if anybody is on a no move, uh, you kind of have to talk to them and see and convince them that and and see maybe they do fit into this vision and if they don't then you're going to have to try and sort of uh find a way to empty up some cap space and the third thing that i was going to say is i agreed with scott with the development aspect of it it is so important and it's become clear how important it is in recent times and we've talked about you know what we want to see you know from the new gm and coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about all the things we don't want to see or things we want them to avoid when they finally get into their role in the Canadians organization. And that's coming up next. But first, if you're like me and you've got a beard, you got to get primal and that you heard me right, folks. You got a beard. You got to get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard or any kind of facial hair, it needs primal right now. Maybe you're that guy who's never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will help stop the itch and make your beard look extremely healthy and groomed. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with a low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel and beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the United States. And the combo kits are always sure to please anybody. I got to try out the beard oil. I got it before Christmas. Smells great. Makes my beard nice and soft. Growing it out right now with being nice and cold in Buffalo. And I got to tell you, waking up, having that beautiful smell and that nice soft beard really makes it a fantastic thing. And we know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in your beard to other products you used. We promise you will see and feel the difference. And remember the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginsOils.com. That's LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. As always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every single day, folks. We are back and we talked about in our first segment what we want to see from the GM. Three things that we want to see from the new GM and the new front office. We're going to shift gears a little bit and to, and we're going to discuss what do we not want to see? What are the three things we want them to avoid once they've gotten themselves established? And I think my first thing is, is just blind loyalty to the people who are already here. You are building this team in your own vision now, and it's going to come with tough decisions. And that is why you were the general manager. And... I get that there are people that the city love, the players that the city loves and that, you know, we've come to become really fond of, but you got to have those tough decisions. We've talked about it a lot since Jeff Gordon has taken over. He's going to be talking to guys like a Toffoli, a Gallagher, a Jeff Petrie, Carey Price, and see what fits best for them. And doing right by the player is just as important as doing right by the team. And I know Pierre Lebrun said they're not going full teardown, but if that becomes the mindset, you have to do right by these players and just blindly sticking by them isn't the way forward to success in the Canadians organization. And I think I want this new GM to put their own stamp on. I don't want them to be more of the same. We don't need more of Mark Bergevin. We had 10 years worth of it and it didn't, there's nothing really to show for that. Put your own stamp on this team once you get here for better or for worse, at least make it your own and go from there. And, 
and mine is a little bit related to that. It, you're, you're talking about blind loyalty. I also feel like the new GM shouldn't fall in love with the type of player. They should fall in love with a type of system. So when we say that, obviously a recency bias, right? Mark Bergevin fell in love with the kind of player. He liked your third line, fourth line plugs. He liked your defensive defenseman. Don't fall in love with a type of player. Don't look at it and be like, I need this on my team to win. I think the biggest thing for me is that avoid that. And what you should do is say, what kind of a system should we be married to? And I think, you know, identity system, that's the kind of thing that I would uh, prefer the general manager to focus on. Another thing that I would want them to avoid is looking at things that worked yesterday or are working today and just think that that's the way of the future. I want the, the, the general manager to have the kind of always evolving mentality about hockey. The game does change. The game will change. Things that are working now today will be working today. But you turn around tomorrow and somebody will have found a new inefficiency to exploit on other teams. They'll find a new way to be better than other teams and they will be the first, they'll be the first to do that. I want the Canadians to always be thinking, how am I the first to step into the future? What kinds of things am I doing? So that might be new types of analytics that might be changing the way that your front office is constructed. That might be, you know, putting money into different forms of development or support for your players. Uh, it could be anything from mental skills, coaching to, uh, you know, some some teams have skating coaches on staff that are from other sports that involve skating, things like that. Like I'm thinking of like a figure skating coach on staff or something like that. So the Canadians, like the, the person, that, whoever gets this job, I want them to be the kind of person that doesn't get too entrenched in what's already worked or what is currently working. But I want them to also be looking at what could work once everybody else catches up to the ways of today. For me, I think my next big thing too, is that avoiding modernization. Like this is a team that we've realized has been kind of a couple years behind every now and then when they kind of jump ahead in the game, they fall back behind it quickly in that if you're the new GM, understand that you don't have to do everything yourself. It's okay to build a team around you in this. You do not have to be wearing six different hats. Like Mark Bergman, one of his greatest failings is he wanted to do everything himself and there's no sounding board. There's no safety net for that. You live and die with your own decisions. Yes, there was Jeff Molson and obviously there's Trevor Timmons or was Trevor Timmons at the time. But I look at this now and I go, it is 2022. Build yourself a staff around you that you can trust to sound off on these decisions and make the right choice. And I, I think the Canadians are in a position where they can do that. We've talked a lot about the options for not only GM, but AGM and um, different front office roles here. And I know this is my third point here is going to be going to make some people mad, but I really don't care. Renounce the pick of Logan Mayu at this point, please. I understand he's gone through whatever counseling it is. If you want to make a statement that you are truly committed to changing the culture and way forward of the Montreal Canadiens, you start by renouncing that pick. 
and leaving that in the past. You have there that stain is on the franchise forever. But the least you can do is start to actually try to make amends afterwards. And that starts with you renounce that pick and you just let it go. It doesn't matter. That was the previous regime. This is a new one. Put your own new stamp on it and move forward from that. So now that you bring that up, there was a lot of talk about what would what, what do you want him to do? Why are you saying this not enough? Every time somebody said that this wasn't enough, a bunch of trolls, a bunch of people that like, obviously they, they keep thinking that we should let this go already or something like that. What would you rather have them do? Well, in the list of counseling and lessons and all the other stuff that was presented as to why the OHL thinks that, you know, it's ready or he's ready to be reinstated. I didn't see anything there about true respect for women. And there was a lot of working on yourself, improving your mental health and your mental skills and all of that, and not enough education about misogyny and uh, issues, especially in hockey. Hockey has a very toxic culture. Like every, every day you hear about new and horrific things, especially when it comes to misogyny and racism uh, and sexism. So I think that what I did not see in all the things that he was purported to have done up until this point, I didn't see enough focus on respecting women and valuing women as human beings. And that's what I would have wanted to see. It's all great that you did your mental health coaching and, you know, dealing with life situations and all of that. But all of a lot of that stuff seemed to me like that's the kind of thing that you would offer. That's the kind of counseling and education you would offer a victim, a survivor, not a perpetrator. So I truly did not see enough of that. So when people are saying that's not enough, that's not enough. That's what we're talking about. Like we need to see actual concrete proof that he has learned to respect women as human beings that we did not get. And so all the people arguing that it's a mistake and all of that, like, can we stop relitigating this? Can we just accept that were unacceptable and doesn't matter if something that was a crime in Sweden wouldn't be a crime here or anything like that. Like there's a lot of nuances that people keep, keep debating, but the end of the day is that he did not and does not show that he values women as human beings. And that's what we want to see before he can be allowed to play. And he's been playing, he scored his first goal, all of that. I don't know if the new GM will renounce that pick. I honestly don't know, but I'm sick of hearing people just dismiss the past and not understand that if you want us to say that, okay, he's capable of change. If you want us to look at this as a mistake that he has grown from and learned from, we need to see it. We need to see. And it doesn't really seem like there's any interest in him truly understanding the depth of what he did and what, what was wrong. That's all we're asking for. It doesn't seem like a lot for us to be asking for a player who wants to play in the NHL or in this case, the OHL, but eventually the NHL to respect women as equal human beings. That's it. And unfortunately with that, there is more news tangentially related to some of what Logan Mayu did in the NHL and unfortunately that surrounded or is surrounding Evander Kane and some news related to him and his contract termination with the San Jose Sharks and we're going to get into that coming up next. 
But first, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the NFL playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So the big news around the NHL this week, besides more games getting canceled, which isn't a surprise to anyone anymore, is that the San Jose Sharks filed a, I, I don't know if they filed for grievance, but they terminated the contract of Evander Kane on unconditional waivers. He traveled well, knowingly COVID positive with the AHL team. And after his forged vaccination card earlier in the season, his run-in or his, I shouldn't even say run-ins, his issues with gambling and being in debt to casinos for several million dollars, and then his repeated instances and the accusations of both domestic abuse and sexual abuse for or him and his ex regard or surrounding his, uh, I believe his ex-wife now, among so many other things, the Sharks had grounds and they terminated his contract and the NHLPA and his agent have filed a grievance with the league to say that they didn't have that. And among all of this and all the controversy that he has caused in the last, what, five to six years since he became a Buffalo Sabre from the Jets and then eventually became a San Jose Shark and onward, he's expected to have a new contract by the end of this week, according to Pierre Lebrun and Gordon Miller of TSN, with teams like the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes and the Vegas Golden Knights all circling around here. And my first thought is, are we actually serious? a guy who not only doesn't care about his teammates and puts them at risk during COVID and lies about his status, forging a vaccination card, which is a felony in the state of California. Evander Kane is lucky he was only suspended games and he wasn't sent to prison for what he did. In addition to everything else that has happened off the ice. And I can't help but look at some of these teams and go, how are you okay with bringing this into the fold? I understand that winning hockey games is important, but you're the Carolina Hurricanes who talked about signing the get uncomfortable pledge and doing so much. And then you signed Tony D'Angelo, which just flies in the face of everything you said you stood for. And then you have interest in Evander Kane beyond that. You're completely disregarding everything you say you stand for. And you're telling a huge portion of your fan base that they do not matter. And I don't understand how teams are looking at Evander Kane right now going, that's a guy I want in here. Because in Winnipeg, I could understand that, hey, maybe he's a young guy and maybe he rubbed the veterans the wrong way, this or that. And then in Buffalo, he got traded to San Jose. And then since he's gotten into San Jose, it has been nothing but repeated issues. I don't understand how people look at this and go, that's a problem, but someone like Josh Hosang oversleeps once and is branded an issue for the rest of their career. PK Subban is too flashy, but teams are okay with a guy who has done multiple illegal things in the last year, and they're fine with that. I, 
I don't understand it. And I don't understand how the NHL and everyone around it who pledged to be better after all the Kyle Beach news and everything came out are just sitting here and going, yeah, that's fine. If he signs a new contract, it is what it is. How is anyone okay with this? How is any NHL team okay with what is happening right now? I think it just goes to show that it's the mentality that it doesn't really matter what kind of a person you are off the ice. The on-ice product is what matters. And here's the thing. The unfortunate thing is that he's a talented player uh, and he would uh, add to a team's on-ice performance. But at the same time, there it's it's not just the risks to your team like, you know, whether it's faking a vaccine card or whatever other other things that he's actually legitimately been penalized for in the NHL uh, and things that we that are allegations that uh, are currently unproven or that cannot be proven by the NHL to a point where it would affect his status uh, is is the way that uh, that some people phrase it. I think it's just to me. It doesn't matter if he is the best player in the world. It doesn't matter if he's literally Connor McDavid. I think that if you have off-ice issues that, especially allegations of abuse towards women, but also just issues that involve like criminal acts, like criminal acts, like all these things that that keep coming up. They're things that unfortunately there's no evidence for, but if even a fraction of them are true, I just don't think that that should be rewarded. And at the same time, let's say that none of those things were true. There's still the issue of the fact that the San Jose players did not want to play with him. If a bunch of guys that will accept any manner of sins from their teammates because brothers in arms or whatever... Uh, other military uh, like t- words to describe essentially, you know, they're literally slapping a rubber uh, thingy around the ice on skates. Uh, I just find that if that kind, if those kind of people don't want to be around you, then something must be really, really, really wrong. So to in dynamic into a cohesive, successful team to me is just is it's it's honestly you know if he did not have that baggage and if he was just somebody that was not a good personality to have around like that in itself would be enough for me to be like no but this whole redemption thing i understand that he needs to work to make back the money that he owes and pay his debts back and all of that but i would not touch that with a 10-foot pole and i do not understand why legitimately good teams are considering him right now and that's the thing is it's like I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. And I get that like talent and winning on the ice matters. I get that. But like, at what point are you sacrificing so much more? Like I, it blows my mind in that I, I believe people are capable of changing, but nothing about his character has shown that he's actually willing to do that. Every time, you know, one of these things happen with everyone goes, ah, well, you've never made a mistake in your life. Well, one, I've never committed a felony. So there's that. And I do believe people can change. But at this point, he's a 30 year old adult who just continues to do bad things. And I do not understand in what world, like you said, you want to add that to a team. 
if you were a team like the Panthers where you built something cohesive from within, do you really want to add a person like this who has disrupted things everywhere he's been? And I get that, you know, we talked about his time in Winnipeg and whatnot, but at a certain point, it becomes a maybe you are the problem kind of situation. This isn't like Taylor Hall where he gets unfairly blamed or anything like that. This is very clearly an issue and it's a distraction and it sends the wrong message that no matter what you do, you are not incapable of coming back in the NHL from something. He isn't the only case of that. So let's get that out of the way. He's not the only person who's done something terrible and is still allowed to play. And he certainly won't be the last, but at a certain point, if we want to change hockey culture, things like this need to stop happening. Players who continue to do horrible things, it has to stop. Simple as that. And we're sorry to leave you on a little bit of a downer note here. The good news is the Montreal Canadiens, as far as we can tell, are not interested in Evander Kane. And I hope they stay as far away from him as possible because, quite frankly, that's the last thing the circus of a season needs is Evander Kane coming into it as well. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And when you're done making us your first listen of the day, check out Lockdown Bets. If you're looking to bet on sports or win your money line, your boy Q and Lee Sterling have all the info you need to make sure you're cashing out on top. We'll see you all next time.